With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 362 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Sorry for missing last week, but you know, life just got in the way. You know how it is sometimes. Today's story is from the southeast of England. It's an absolutely staggering one. And sorry for the cliche. But if you heard parts of the story in a film, you just wouldn't believe it. It's a story of greed, pure greed. The episode this week is brought to you by Shopify. I've spoken to you about Shopify over the last few weeks. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide by simplifying selling online and in person so that you can successfully grow your business. Shopify covers all your sales channels and even gets you selling across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Full of the industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without learning new skills in design or coding. And thanks to 24-7 help and with an extensive business course library, Shopify is ready to support your success every step of the way. My side hustle a few years ago was proving a struggle to actually sell the product, and most importantly, of course, get paid. Changing the pricing and the offers took me hours and hours sitting at my computer when I should have been working on my sales and marketing strategy. A friend recommended Shopify, and it completely transformed the business. It just made everything really so easy to do, leaving me to focus on building. What I love about Shopify is that no banner how big you wanna grow, Shopify will be there to empower you with the confidence and control to take your business to the next level. It's time to get serious about selling and get Shopify today. Sign up for a £1 per month trial period at shopify.co.uk slash truecrime, all lowercase. Go to shopify.co.uk slash truecrime to take your business to the next level today. shopify.co.uk slash truecrime. This episode is brought to you by Copper Tree Clinical Hypnotherapy. Living in the modern world, life can often feel challenging and overwhelming, can't it? It can feel all too easy to ruminate about the past or worry about what will happen in the future. But where can you go for help? Copper Tree Clinical Hypnotherapy uses solution-focused hypnotherapy. This is a talking therapy combining psychotherapy and trance to achieve long-lasting results. Copper Tree Clinical Hypnotherapy uses the latest in neuroscience and brain research to encourage their clients to focus on their future and what they want to achieve rather than dwelling on the past. They can help with a wide range of issues including anxiety, weight management, confidence building, stopping smoking or vaping, phobias and insomnia. With sessions available both in person and online, why not take that first step and visit coppertreeclinicalhypnotherapy.co.uk to book an appointment today. If you quote True Crime Hypnotherapy 15, you'll receive a 15% discount on the initial consultation and up to eight sessions. This discount runs until the end of this year, so claim this discount today by visiting coppertreeclinicalhypnotherapy.co.uk 
and book your appointment today. Okay, so let's set some context with our guest of the month and year game for today's story. Number one in the UK charts for what seemed like years was wet, wet, wet with love is all around us. You think that's a hard listen? I think it was even worse in the US with all for one topping the charts with I swear. And in Australia this year, the 10th best selling album was the soundtrack from the film Forrest Gump. In the news this month, a Chinook helicopter crashed on the Mull of Kintyre in Scotland in foggy conditions. It resulted in the death of all 25 passengers and four crew on board. West Indian cricket legend Brian Lara hit a world first class record 501 not out and 390 runs in one day for Warwickshire versus Durham at Edgbaston. Television playwright Dennis Potter died of cancer a week after his wife Margaret died of the same illness. And in UK true crime news, police working on the Gloucester mass murder case began the two-day recovery of human remains from a field at Much Markle near Gloucester. They were later identified as Anne McFall, who was last seen alive in 1967 at the age of 18 and pregnant with Fred West's child. Okay, so did you guess the month and year? It's a tricky one, I think. It was June 1994. Dina Holmes was born in Hendon, North London in 1960. Hendon is, as you know, the home of the police college, the primary training centre for the Met Police. She had a normal childhood, whatever that means, as far as can be seen, and she performed to a high standard at school. Once she left school, she joined the Halifax Building Society, and during this time, she went on a blind date in 1982 with Lee Wyatt. The date went super well, and their relationship quickly became serious, leading to their wedding just a year later, and the arrival of their son, Darren, five years after this. The couple were really ambitious for their future, their financial future, and they started their own stuffed toy business, Denali Crafts, using their names combined, just in case you missed that part, where they made and they sold their own products. Lee was fully into this business and worked full-time all the hours that he could, whereas Dina stayed part-time at the Building Society until the business made enough to cover their costs. Part of Dina's role in the business was placing adverts in the local paper, the West Sussex Gazette, and through this she met a man called Julian Webb. There was an immediate attraction between them, and Dina chose not to mention she was married, and the two began an affair. Meanwhile, back at home, the business floundered, and unfortunately, it was soon clear to Dina that the stuffed toy business wasn't to be her passport to wealth. So Lee had to get a job and started working in a local hotel, and Dina found what she thought was an easier way to make cash. She began stealing from the Woolwich Building Society, where she now worked. She, in fact, stole £26,000 or just over. She'd invented a fake customer called Christina Duke and transferred money to that account and then withdrew it herself. It wasn't, as you can tell, a very sophisticated fraud. But Dina enjoyed the lifestyle that money gave her and increasingly felt that her husband, Lee, was never going to earn the sort of cash that she wanted. So she felt it was time to get him out of the way so she could develop her new life with Julian. Whereas you or I may think about an honest conversation, maybe followed by divorce, Dina had other plans. Lee and Dina had recently moved into a new house in Yapton, West Sussex, when she began her plan for freedom. One of their toys was called Sean the Leprechaun, and Dina told Lee that this toy 
was going to change their lives forever. The exciting, the amazing news was that Walt Disney and Aer Lingus were interested in this toy and this deal could make them millions, millions of pounds. Dina showed Lee a Disney letterhead confirming this news and Lee was of course delighted until Dina shared the negative part of the deal which was that the mafia wanted their cut on this business. If they didn't get this money, they would kill Lee, Dina and their son. Of course, this was all nonsense. But Lee believed every word. Why wouldn't he, I suppose? And became terrified and paranoid everywhere he went that the mafia were trailing him. Already jumpy, the matter came to a head on the 30th of June 1991 when a man knocked on the door. It was totally innocent. But Dina told Lee that this was the moment they'd been fearing and the mafia or the G-men, as she called them, had come for Lee. And he needed to leave by the back door this minute or he would be killed. Encouraged by his wife, he did exactly as he was told. And Lee then went into hiding in Newquay, Cornwall, under the assumed name of Colin Mitchell. He spent three years there, terrified for his life every day. But believing this was only a temporary measure, before he would finally be reunited with his wife and his son, and they can enjoy the wealth gained from the sale of Sean the Leprechaun. Every day, he hoped for the call from Dina saying the deal had been done with Disney and the G-men were off his back. But in the meantime, Lee needed to live and so he got a job in an amusement arcade. But he sent most of the small amount of money he earned back to his wife. It really was a miserable life for him. And Dina also persuaded him to write letters and leave phone messages taking responsibility for the money she'd stolen from the Bilm Society. She said it would help get the Mafia off their backs. I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? But Lee clearly found his wife incredibly persuasive. Meanwhile, with Lee safely out of the way in Cornwall, Dina carried on with her relationship with Julian Webb at the paper. And just six months after Lee had gone, the pair married. Dina was now a bigamist, married to both Julian and Lee. The neighbours were more than a little surprised to see wedding cards in Dina's home and were puzzled about where Lee had got to. And there seemed to be no shortage of other male visitors to the house and Dina greeted many of these with passionate kisses on the doorstep. But hey, we never know for sure what happened in the lives of others and it's often best not to ask, isn't it? Meanwhile at work, Dina's theft of 26k was uncovered and she was given the option of returning the money or getting the sack and facing prosecution. When Julian found out about the threat to her job, rather than come clean, Dina told him that she had taken a large number of days sick as she had a terminal illness, and this is why the Bilm Society were talking about sacking her. But eventually he found out about the missing money. She then told another elaborate lie. This time she told how her first husband Lee had been violent and abusive to her and stolen the money. She said he'd been sending her threatening letters and making nasty phone calls. And even worse, he'd broken into their house and raped her. Julian and Dina contacted the police and convinced them with her lies about Lee. And he was informed there was an injunction stopping him entering his own home. Poor Lee. He now thought he had both the mafia and the police against him. He'd had enough, understandably. And one day made his way back to Sussex and into his house. Julian was sleeping upstairs and a horrified Dina intercepted him and shooed him away. But she knew that her elaborate web of lies would soon be found out. She was already being taken to court for the theft of the money from the Bilm Society. 
and she knew she'd also face a charge of bigamy sometime soon, and she didn't fancy spending time in jail. So what now? Julian was to be 31 on the 30th of June 1994. His mum called him that day to wish him a happy birthday, but it was Dina who answered the phone. Of course, these were the pre-mobile days. She told his mum that Julian had been very unwell for two days after getting too much sun and drinking too much booze. To not answer the phone, you've got to be pretty seriously unwell, right? And alarm bells began ringing for Julian's mum, as this was most unlike her son, who prioritised his physical fitness regularly attending the gym. He avoided alcohol, and he wasn't someone who enjoyed spending time in the sun. It just didn't sound like him at all. It didn't add up. And Julian was actually fine, and he was unaware that his wife had spoken to his mum that day. That night, Dina was making one of his favourite curry dishes, and Julian liked it as hot as he could take it. He was no calmer man, and Dina was happy to do this for him. But at 1am the following morning, Dina found that Julian was unresponsive and called an ambulance. Although medics were quickly on the scene, Julian couldn't be saved and he died shortly afterwards. Julian was just 31 when he lost his life. Quite why he had died was unclear. The police could see no sign of any foul play and Dina was the only person who had seen Julian that night and she had no motive to hurt her new husband. That's what Dina thought. She told police investigating the death that she'd been worried about Julian the days before he died, as he was depressed and she believed he had taken his own life. But there wasn't clear evidence for this, and in the end, the coroner recorded an open verdict as it just wasn't clear what had led to Julian's death. What the authorities didn't uncover is that Julian had been murdered by Dina. She'd spiked his birthday curry with aspirin and the antidepressant Dothypen. And her behaviour immediately after Julian's death should surely have raised suspicion. She knew that Julian had a pension worth £35,000 and she wanted to get her hands on it. So early in the morning after Julian's death, yep, under 10 hours after he died, Dina made her way to the West Sussex Gazette in her nightie and coat to wait for his manager to arrive at work. Can you believe that? When he arrived, she straight away got to the point and asked what she needed to do to be paid this money. Dina tried to get her husband cremated, so there could never be any repercussions from his body being exhumed, but Julian's mum insisted on a burial and got her way. Dina wasn't at all happy about this, and so to take revenge for not getting her own way, she wore to the funeral pretty inappropriate clothing, people said. It was a very revealing top and a short leather skirt. And she showed no emotion at all on the day. But it did, in fact, appear that with the funeral finished, nobody would ever find out what really happened to Julian. Had she just committed the perfect murder? Dina was soon placing adverts again in the Lonely Hearts column of the newspapers, and the men were turning up at the door in their droves. There was no period of not dating as a mark of respect to her late husband. One man was Robert Waite, who had known Dina at school. And when she made contact with him again, she threw a real sob story. She said that Julian had died of abusing steroids and then came that tearful bombshell that she was suffering from a terminal illness and didn't have long to live. But her dream all her life had been to go to Florida and it was now unlikely she'd ever make it there. She even managed to keep a straight face as she said it, 
knowing full well that Robert would offer to take her there, which of course he did. But the holiday didn't go to plan as halfway through, Dina announced that she needed to leave immediately, something about an interview with the mafia in New York. In reality, she was due in court to finally face the music for the theft from the Woolwich Bond Society. But she left Robert penniless in Florida. He was eventually deported back to the UK as he couldn't afford to get back. And when he did come back, he found out about the fraud and that Dina had been sentenced to 18 months in prison. Dina was out in just nine months and immediately began looking for love, or something along those lines anyway, with adverts in local newspapers. Describing herself as a bubbly blonde, she wasn't short of men and they started coming to her doorstep again. One of these was Richard Thompson, and just months after they met, they were married. They were holidaying in Florida, and it was just one of those spontaneous things. And Dina was telling stories again. This time that she won the lottery in America, and she could only claim the money if she lived in the US. Again, Richard believed every word. Why not? And they were soon planning to emigrate to the US, with Richard taking his pension early and retiring from his job. Dina told him it would be sensible if they combined their financial assets. And of course, it made total sense, especially as Dina promised him that her lottery win would allow him to indulge in his favorite pastime when in Florida. She said that she would buy him his own fishing company, and this was his dream. By January 2000, the couple had been married a year, and Dina informed Richard that their green cards were almost ready, their new life in the US awaited. But first, Dina wanted to celebrate in another way, with a little bit of bondage sex pushing their boundaries. We've all been there for an anniversary, right? Richard did as he was told and lay on the floor, his senses heightened in anticipation of what was coming his way. Dina taped his ankles together, tied his hands behind his back and put a wet towel on his face. But then from nowhere, Richard felt severe pain and to his horror realised that Dina had attacked him with a baseball bat. Covered in blood, shocked and dazed, he desperately tried to untie himself but as he did so. Dina was coming at him again this time stabbing him with a kitchen knife. Fighting for his life, Richard somehow managed to get her to drop the knife and Dina broke down, telling him their whole life had been a lie and she had spent all his money. This was true, as in addition to emptying all the funds in his bank account, she'd already spoken to an estate agent about pulling his house up for sale and had been in contact with his life insurance company about selling his policy. It is clear that Dina had planned to kill Richard then make it appear like he had disappeared on their long trip to the US. Richard went to the police and Dina faced the jury on an attempted murder charge. She pleaded not guilty, saying the incident had been self-defence. It happened when she told Richard about their plans for moving to the US being a lie. And he went for her. She was the victim. And amazingly, the jury acquitted her. She did, though, admit 15 counts of deception against Richard and other partners and was sent to prison for three years and nine months after being found guilty of a number of counts of deception. But the trial had understandably aroused the interest of West Sussex police for the murder of Julian, and his family gave permission for his body to be exhumed. Dina had told so many different stories to different people about what had happened to him, and then one of Dina's friends came forward to say that Dina had poisoned his birthday curry. Once again, we hear this on the podcast so much, don't we? People who have committed murder 
can't stop talking about it. They can't keep quiet. Detectives believed they'd enough to convict her of murder. The jury agreed and she was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 16 years. The judge at her trial in 2003 described her as utterly ruthless and without pity. It's hard to disagree. Detectives suspected there could be more victims and one of her former partners in particular had disappeared. This was a Bulgarian man, Stoyan Kostav. She dated him in the 80s and he disappeared while the couple were dating in Bulgaria. In 2010, interest in the media was renewed, with investigators saying that some sort of incident seems to have happened in Bulgaria, but we don't know what it was. Stoyan, as I record this today, has never been found, but also it's never been proved conclusively that Dina had anything to do with his disappearance. In April 2022, the parole board announced that they would consider Dina's case for release and publish their decision in the May. The police officer who led the investigation that led to her being sent to prison said, I believe she'll re-offend, she won't be able to stop herself. She has no remorse, but she'll be the model prisoner and say all the right things. Her potential release concerns me and everybody who has been involved with her. And indeed, her former husband, Richard Thompson, was equally unimpressed. He said, she definitely tried to kill me, and they proved that she murdered her second husband. So she could have been a serial killer, she'd been successful, and God knows what else she's done. Despite these clear and obvious concerns, on the 23rd of May 2022, it was announced that Dina's release on parole had been granted, and she'd be released in early June. Setting out their decision, the parole board told how they were satisfied from her progress in prison that she was suitable for release, but it was also noted that she'd also been a deceptive individual who could hold grudges and did not always have control of her temper. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It's a quite extraordinary story, isn't it? And despite all her crimes, Dina Thompson is out there a free woman. I wonder if she's now on the online dating sites that have replaced the Lonely Hearts columns, of which she was so fond. I wonder if the lead police officer quoted above is right, and she will in fact re-offend. I reckon there's every chance, don't you? Of course, as we finish, our sympathies lie with the three men she dated seriously, whose stories I've told today. Julian Webb was murdered by Dina, and Richard Thompson and Lee Hyatt had their lives destroyed. And yet Dina whatever she calls herself nowadays, is a free woman. And she's living out there, maybe near you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please join us on Facebook. We've got over 91,000 people there. It's a fantastic community. And to support the show, please do join our community at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash UK True Crime. There's lots of us there. There's exclusive content, bonus episodes, and loads of other bits and pieces. Please come and join us for less than the price of a cup of coffee. That's patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. Okay, so that's all for me for another week. So until we speak again on Tuesday, please, please, please do take it easy. And despite the others, it's always the others. Stay classy. Cheerio for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.